Hello, Cedarville family. It's Sarah Gump here from the Cedarville Stories podcast team. What a time to be alive. Although our students are not on campus, we are grateful for technology that allows us to stay connected via Zoom calls, Facebook Lives, and instant messaging. In today's episode, Jeff Reap, Director of Career Services, joins your host, Mark Weinstein, to share that his mission is not just about getting students jobs, but being a part of how the Lord is working in their lives. It is an encouraging listen and showcases Jeff's passion for students. Enjoy their conversation. Welcome back to the Cedarville Stories podcast. It's good to have you back for another week. Joining me today on the podcast is Jeff Reap, the Director of Career Services at Cedarville University. He's been at Cedarville for 25 years. And for you people who continually listen to us on the podcast, uh, it may sound a little different uh, today than in past podcasts because one, we're doing this from remote location. So I'm in my home office in Fairborn, Ohio, and Jeff Reap is in his residence in Springfield. We're doing this because of the coronavirus pandemic. So we're working from home. So if you hear a little difference in the sound quality, that is the reason why. Nonetheless, it's still good to have Jeff Reap uh, on the podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. It's great to be with you, Mark. So there's a lot of ground to cover in talking about your story. You've been a coach to college students for the majority of your life. You're an adjunct faculty member at Cedarville, the father of five, and I will put in parentheses, outstanding young men, and the grandfather of nine children. So you have a lot to bring to the table today, and I'm looking forward to unpacking your journey. I want to start your journey really with the fundamental aspect of your faith in Jesus. Can you relive some of that uh, journey with us? Yeah, sure. I I grew up west of Cleveland, Ohio, and I share with people, it's sort of like I feel I live the basic leave it to beaver life. You know, and I know a lot of times our students don't know who that is, but uh, some people that listening will be aware of that. But, you know, as a family of four, you know, you work hard, you get a good education, you be moral, you're in church on Sunday, but really no time for God nor need for God. And then probably, probably like in fourth grade, there was this young girl that I just had a big crush on. And, um, and so that's actually my wife, Chris. Now uh, I used to say a good day was when she would say, get out of my way. <laughs> we dated then some through high school after high school, she came to, or I went to Cedarville and she went and sang with life action singers, which was a revival evangelistic type of singing group. That group's out of what? Bridgman, Michigan? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Very familiar with them. So obviously that's when I started to have interest in going to her church. She went to a really strong, good fundamental Bible teaching church. And that's what sort of really, you know, started getting my interest. And then, you know, let's fast forward the clock a little bit and I'm doing all these religious things. And I remember hearing somebody say, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself to see if Christ be in you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, "Hmm, the the Bible's my authority, but yeah, I've quoted prayers, I've walked aisles, but yeah, do I really know Christ? And then I was, even in my quiet time, I was going through First John, and you know how it says, you'll know you're my child because you love the brother, and you know you're my child, you don't continue in sin, my spirit bears witness with your spirit, and I'm going, wait, wait a second, yeah, I'm not matching up here to what I say my authority is. And then it was a, at that time, it was interesting, it was a little mini-series called The Thornburgs, 
it was like about a Catholic priest that was sort of, you know, advancing up in his career, but his life was sort of a mess. And I'm looking at my life and saying, well, what's the difference between him and me? And I'd have these, you know, I would do fine and I'd quote the prayer. And then, um, and then I said, well, now I need to go forward. And then I'd go forward and then that'd be a while. And then I said, well, I guess I need to be baptized. And then that'd be good for a while. And then I need to quote the prayer again, you know, and it was just this roller coaster. It was really interesting. I was watching that show one night and that's the night I, you know, came to know the Lord. He saved me, just sort of surrendered and I was going to get baptized. It was really like, oh, this all makes sense now. You know, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And I said, that's what happened in my life, you know, in the past. Uh, you know, where before I'd been baptized, it was just sort of like, you know, the next step of obedience. So, um, so anyway, it's just been interesting since that point as the Lord has just continued to transform my life and is still continuing to transform my life. And, and um, I'm very grateful for that relationship with him. So as a student back in the 1970s, I think you came to, to Cedarville University in 1974 as a freshman. Uh, what kind of ministries were you involved in back then? Really interesting. 1974, the people that have no Cedarville history, uh, the spring of 74 is when the tornado came through Xenia. Okay. And I remember actually being at home, I think it was WCDRF, the radio station out of Cleveland, uh, talked about how those tornado just went through Cedarville, Ohio. And I'd already determined to come to Cedarville. And uh, that's when the ta- the second story of Patterson sort of got set out in the street. And uh, so that, that was actually the spring before I came in the fall. So anyway, while at Cedarville, uh, I was involved in the Dayton Detention Home uh, Ministry. Uh, I worked at, up at Camp Patmos up on Kelly's Island for a couple summers. And so those are probably my two, two big involvements there. And obviously basketball is a thing that you know, was taking most of my time and, and a lot of my uh, energy. So as a young boy, I, I presume that you were always interested in sports. Um, where did that uh, interest come from? It actually started when I was in eighth grade. I just I, I just thought the world of my eighth grade basketball coach. He was the physical education teacher at the high school. And I just thought to be like him would be the, the coolest thing in the world. So that's sort of what got my interest you know, in, in coaching. How tall are you? I'm just curious for our listeners. Uh, 6'4". So you had the frame to be a decent basketball player back in those days. Yeah, it was a great advantage my size because throughout my career, there were times that I played like the power forward. Sometimes I played like the small forward. There was even a few times I have to play the two guard. And uh, but I was primarily like a wing type player, face the basket player. And um, but uh, it was just it was um, just interesting to see those different aspects of the game. Okay, so as a as an incoming freshman, um, your main interest in coming to Cedarville. Was it more basketball related or more academic related? Uh, that's a pretty easy question to answer. <laughs> it was definitely basketball. I, I, I've told people, I've said, when, when I got here as a freshman, if they would have pulled me aside and said, would you rather graduate from college or would you rather play four years of basketball? There's no question. I'd rather play basketball. And so, uh, you know, basketball was definitely one of the main reasons I was here. What were some of the highlights uh, to your four-year basketball career at Cedarville? Yeah, that's a long time ago now, right? Yeah. Correct. <laughs> you don't need to make any comments there. <laughs> a couple of things that come to my mind. When I was a freshman, 
I, I remember like before Christmas, I wasn't playing a whole lot and I was really sort of frustrated and disappointed. And we actually played Grand Rapids, all right, out of Michigan. And we ended up losing that game. And I just got in at the tail end of the game and I, I was just really bummed. And so our next game, we were playing at St. Francis over in Indiana. And coach was so upset with the starters that he ended up starting me that game. All right. And, and um, it didn't turn out, I ended up having 21 points and 11 rebounds. So, you know, in my little mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm the man now. All right. <laughs> I've arrived. You know what I mean? Not realizing this is just a ploy to get his junior seniors to play better. All right. But anyway, that was a big night. I remember coming home. I, uh, we got home in the vans. It was probably one, two in the morning. I'm calling my mom and dad and everything, telling them about the game. So, so yeah, that, that, that really stands out. And then, then some people say about your, your biggest game, biggest win. And, and I say, you know what's sad? The game that was the most impressive to me was we ended up losing to Central State by three points. And when I was coming through, Central State was unbelievably good. I mean, they had transfers. I mean, they were winning national championships. I mean, as a freshman, sophomore, those were the kind of games you were almost hoping not to get in. You know I mean? Because, I mean, you were just going to get embarrassed. I mean, they were just unbelievable. And my senior year, we're playing them at home. And they're actually holding the ball against us to win the game. And, and so to do that, and then they ended up beating us by three points. And then they ended up going on in the semifinal game of the national tournament. They lost to Grand Canyon State, which is Division One now, in five overtimes. Wow. And the next night, Grand Canyon State won the championship by like 35 or 40 points. Yeah, I mean, they were that good. And so, so I don't know that, that it was a loss, but that was a game that like, I felt like we really played at their level, which I thought was a great accomplishment for us. Well, those sound like great accomplishments, but tell me about the one where I think you hit a free throw or two with no time left that helped you raise in the all-time scoring category of Cedarville University history. Tell me about that story. Okay. There's a person on campus that always reminds me of this. And uh, that person is probably the most famous person from Cedarville, and that's Dr. Jeremiah, Dr. Dave Jeremiah. And I think at that time, he was probably the fifth leading scorer when he, you know, we graduated in, in the history of the school. And so the situation is we're playing in the, in the regional tournament. The game's over. We, we've lost the game, but I got fouled right at the buzzer. So, you know, everybody's the bench, you know, everybody's at the, t at the bench, and I'm out there by myself. And I have two free throws. So I end up, I make two free throws, which ended up putting me past Dr. Jeremiah by one point. So it, throughout history, we're going to be locked back to back there. So another cool thing about it too is those two free throws, I ended up averaging 19.0 points per game that year. So that ended up putting me in over that 19 points a game mark as well. Well, that tells me that um, for all those fans who think, you know, free, throw, free throws are overrated or not that important, they're significantly important to you because it helped you go one higher notch up in the all-time scoring over a very famous Cedarville uh, alum, and then obviously your, your scoring average. So that's a cool story. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Little did I know that those point, those two free throws when the game was over would even mean anything or we'd be talking about it years from you know, that time. Have you ever shared this with Dr. Jeremiah? 
Oh no, of course not. <laughs> well, maybe maybe through the podcast he'll relive this. That'd be great. So so from your days at Cedarville as a student, then you went on to to do grad studies and, and you got into college coaching. Um, not necessarily all the places where you've been, but where where were some of your highlights in coaching? Um, what stops were you at? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that's one thing I always wanted to do, like I shared, even since they, since eighth grade. Uh, I really wanted to coach high school basketball. I mean, that was when I was at Cedarville. That was my main goal. I mean, I, I played four years of basketball. I stayed and coached the JV team. I took extra classes to add to my teaching credentials so I would have more uh, more areas I could teach in high school. And then what happened, I ended up getting a graduate assistantship at the college level. Well, then all of a sudden, I didn't want to coach high school basketball anymore. And so I went on and did that for 22 years. Um, I mean, some th- a couple of things that really stand out. I remember as I, I was a grad assistant at Delta State, and we're playing at Austin P. State University, all right? And they're Division One, and we're on the road, and, and we're a Division II school, and, and, and we're playing. We end up winning that game. And I'm kidding, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're coming back from that game and, and I'm feeling like, man, we just be a division one school. I mean, I, I, that, that's so impressive. And, you know, there was sort of that awe about the division one level. And, and um, I just could imagine, I mean, there was going to be all kinds of people calling me, wanting me to come, me to come be their coach, you know, because I was a grad assistant on that, uh, during <laughs> that game. Uh, then I was at New Mexico State University for 11 years and, uh, I don't know, a couple things that really stand out there. And what ends up happening when you end up winning a lot, then that then it's just survival. Okay, Whew, we got past that one. What's the next one? And so it's really don't you know really enjoy that. But I just remember a couple big wins that I thought, I, I just remember like being really excited after the game. And that was the year UNLV won the national championship, beat Duke by 30 in the NCAA tournament. That's when they had – you know, three first round picks and another guy that was the second player, I think, set taken in the second round. Uh, in fact, Larry Johnson was the first player picked in the entire draft that year. And we ended up beating them the year they won the national championship. And I told people, I said, it's, it's interesting, the year they won the national championship, we were co-champs. And due to the tiebreaker, we were actually the number one seed in our conference tournament the year they won the national championship. So I just remember after that game, it was nationally televised. I mean, it was just, you know, obviously 13,000 people and the students rushing the floor. It was just a great experience. At Cedarville, we were playing, uh, we beat um, Mount Vernon when they were ranked number one in the country, you know, here here at, at a home game that had a packed out place. And um, that, that was a pretty exciting win as well. So you mentioned um, all that. Um, at New Mexico State, you were part of at least one team that went to the Sweet 16, correct? Yeah, that's correct. We, we actually, my last seven years there, we were ranked in the top 25 at one time or another throughout the season. The highest we ever got was 11th, uh, but we were a lot of times, you know, 25 to 18, 19, you know, in, the, in that area. We ended up going to the NCAA tournament five straight years, NIT two, the other two years. Um, we ended up going to Sweet 16 one year, uh, ended up losing to UCLA by seven. So uh, that, that was, it, was a, it was an end to a really good season for us. And we were a situation, UCLA was very talented, but, but we had like a lot of Chicago, inner city type kids. And, and we just, 
physically sort of really beat them up a little bit. And we were able to stay close. They won. They were the better team. But the next night, we would have played, we would have had to play University of Indiana with Calvert Cheney and that group. And they would have been far more talented and just as tough as we were. You know what I mean? So it, that could have been an ugly game, you know, and, uh, but it was really cool uh, to end it on a really positive note like that. And, and at that time, even more so today to, to play close with UCLA. I mean, that's, uh, that, that's pretty important. I, I remember back in high school, my coach said, you know, uh, growing up in the Midwest, you know, what, you know, what does UCLA stand for? I, we had no idea. And he said, basketball. <laughs> so that's the world I grew up in. So that was sort of cool to play them. So you, um, you come back to Cedarville to, to be the men's coach. Ultimately, the Lord leads you into a new opportunity to coach uh, college students in a new way. Uh, and that is the director of the career services. How has your coaching experiences in basketball prepared you for coaching college kids to, to get a job once they graduate from Cedarville? Yeah, I, I think there's just a lot of transferable skills. I, I mean, I feel like I'm career coaching. A lot of times I'll sit down with a student and I'm sort of, I get my pad out and my pen and I say, okay, we got to do this and then do that and then draw a line to here and these connect these dots. And a lot of times, you know, the, you know, they say they make fun of me because, you know, like I have to diagram everything. I mean, that's what coaches do. Like one time I'm sitting in the cafeteria and I'm talking to a student and I get like the napkin and I, I, I'm sort of drawing this out. Step one, step two, this is what you need to do. I fold it up and put it in my coffee cup and the student goes, uh, could I have that? You know? So, you know, so now I, I, I feel like I'm coaching every day, you know, as far as, you know, sometimes it's, you know, sort of being like a cop, a coach, a cheerleader, you know, sometimes it's, you know, Hey, you can do this or, Hey, you better get going. You know, you're, you're behind here and, and uh, try to give them a strategy as far as, you know, go, approaching this. And then I feel recruiting wise, I mean, I'm still out recruiting, you know, companies and organizations to come to campus and sort of telling the story. And instead of doing a home visit or a campus visit, I'm going out doing a visit at, at a corporation and uh, telling the story about Cedarville and about the faculty we have here and, and uh, the, the kind of students we have, the kind of programs we have. And so I feel like I'm doing a lot of the same things. And then I'm, Still teaching in the kinesiology and allied health area, you know, the whole I love fitness and conditioning and all you know, nutrition and all those things. So I, I really feel I really feel there's a lot of things I've been doing my whole life in a different setting. Do you feel like your time at Cedarville in the last several years as uh, in career services um, brings extra special value or meaning to you because um, you're truly helping students um, complete their education and prepare for ministry. Absolutely. I mean, when, when, when I, I tell my staff, I said, when we're sitting down with a student, this is, this is a privilege. You know, this, this is a real opportunity, you know, that, that, you know, that to realize that God has given us a tiny little part of what he's doing in some of those students' lives. And, and so, and, and I, I share with them too, stop and think as we're building into these students, encouraging them, challenging them, to go out, they're going to go places, talk to people, influence many more people that we will never have that opportunity. We're like duplicating ourselves almost. And uh, you know, I, like I, I share with people, I said, if 
If all we're doing in, in career services is getting students jobs and internships so they can go out and have a bigger house and a nicer car and more toys, well, then why am I not at Purdue or UCLA or Ohio State or somewhere? I, I making far more money, but but it's a situation where you feel like you get to be a little part of what God's doing in students' lives, and I just feel it's a it's a great opportunity and privilege. Does any um, student or graduate come to mind where you had a influence and they've come back to share some of their stories? that really started with their education and then their work with career services? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it, that's probably one of the most rewarding things. I think anybody that's teaching, whether it's elementary through, you know, grad school, PhD programs, they have a former students come back, acknowledge, appreci- show appreciation. Uh, I mean, sometimes this is our biggest connection to, for our present students as our students that have gone on that you've worked with. I, I mean, you know, people that have, done really, really well. You know, and one thing that just comes to my mind real quickly was that I had a student, um, I've actually had a couple students in this area and they've said, you know, hey, when you've talked about time management and creating your priorities and managing your priorities and said, man, some of the things you shared were just so helpful. I used it all through college and even in my professional life. And, and they even mentioned a couple of the things that I talked about, you know, not just like, oh yeah, I remember that thing that, you know, that you talked about that topic. But, you know, they would say, oh, I really use this. In fact, one, one graduate actually you know, went to law school and he said, I use this all through law school when I was practicing law, some of those things. So, so just little things like that, I think are, are really helpful. And, 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 I, and I realize there's a lot of times we may share things or have input that, you know, that they may not even recognize that it was me or my team that had something to do with that. But it's just a little part that maybe someone else builds on and, and it really is useful for them in their lives. I'm curious, is coaching college students in the career services division or department easier than coaching college basketball players? Because um, when you're coaching basketball, there's this ledger of a W and an L, a win and a loss that's always following you. You really don't have that um microscope on you is it easier and more enjoyable to to guide college kids today uh, that's a good question obviously when you with the college basketball players most of them are very motivated they, they really want to be successful that type of thing but you know i think to your point there, there's always this little game going on you know you're trying to to, to get them in positions to get the most out of them to motivate them sometimes they need yelled at. Sometimes they need a pat on the back and then just trying to read that situation constantly. Um, and then some are going to play and some aren't going to play. Some are going to have different roles and get more opportunities to score and do some of those type of things. Where I feel like when you're working in the career office, and, and it's a great environment because when it, by the time a student is, is sees a need to set up an appointment, make that, that appointment, be in my office, they're ready to, they want some help. You know what I mean? Yeah, they want some advice. They, they want some connections. They, they see value in this. So, so obviously you don't have to worry about, you know, so much about motivating them and saying this is important. Most of them know that. Uh, now there's always college students that, okay, you need to get going now. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, a, um, you know, your last semester. Yeah, you, you sort of need a resume, you know, and then as you're, you know, a lot, we have an opportunity to speak in a lot of classrooms and we try to encourage them. 
these are things if you're not doing, you are you're putting yourself at a huge disadvantage. You know, if you know you're sitting in these four white walls thinking you'll get some getting some big glossy GPA and people are going to be begging for you, you're kidding yourself. You know, do you have, are you building a contact base? You know, what's your resume look like? Do you have internships? Have you done things in your discipline? Uh, are you in a situation where you've demonstrated leadership? Have you been involved in community service? I mean, these are all the things that are going to, you know, encourage, you know, to give students more opportunity. So we're always constantly trying to get that across to them. And I, I, I always tell them, I said, if you ever apply for a job or internship and your resume is the only resume on that desk, you don't want that job. You don't want that internship. If it's good enough, you want it. Somebody else is going to want it. Now there's a stack. How you can get out of that stack, and everybody in that stack has a degree and a glossy GPA. It's very obvious that you serve and your team serves a, a vital role in the development of Cedarville students and alumni uh, in the career area. So thank you for doing that. In the final um, few minutes we have left on the podcast, I, I have two questions I want to. Uh, leave uh, this podcast with one is what do you like the most about working at Cedarville? You know, I, I mean, probably a couple things I've already mentioned, you know, just being a part of what God is doing in these individuals' lives. And probably the next thing is the team I get to work with. Uh, I, I tell you, I mean, I've got the best group in the entire world to work with. And uh, Demora Smith, who's one of our grads, who's the uh, director of player personnel for the NFL. And years ago, I, I was talking to him in DC and, and I was just, you know, he was a lawyer there in, in DC. And I, I just, Hey, do you, you enjoy what you're doing? Do you really like it? Because just because you have a high profile position doesn't mean you like your job. And, and I remember he so told me this, he said, Jeff, I love what I do. He said, every day I get up and I feel like I'm going to work to play with my friends. And that always stuck in my mind. And I said, and that's what I've tried, the, the, the culture I've tried to develop in our office. Hey, we're friends, we're working together, we're pulling together um, and, and looking forward to, to, you know, to go to work because I don't care where you're working, no matter how much you love your job, man, if you don't like the people you're around, it, it's a long week and it can't wait till five o'clock, can't wait till Friday night. And so, so I would say those would be the two biggest things to just have the privilege of being a little part what God's doing in, in people's lives, and then just a great team to work with. If, if you're uh, working for the weekend, that's, that's a shallow way to live, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, a- absolutely. And I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful. I, I mean, when I was coaching, it wasn't like the weekend. I mean, it was you were just all the time doing what you enjoy doing. And, and the neat thing about that world, you know, when you got done recruiting, then it, then, then it was camp time. And then when Camp time was over, then it's preseason time. And then it's, you know, you know, recruiting is obviously all the time, but as far as being off campus, and then it was the season, and then it was the playoffs, and then it was, you know, then you had, then it was recruiting again. I mean, so, so in the same thing, I mean, I, you know, when you, you love what you do, I mean, my goodness, I, I mean, I'm working on PowerPoints on the weekend and thinking about things, you know, just because I love what I do. And I think, uh, if, if individuals can find that kind of work, I, I think it's fantastic. That's great, Jeff. My last question, um, and I ask this question to everyone on the podcast, that is, what is your most memorable event from your time at Cedarville? This is crazy as this sounds. Uh, it's probably going back and, and when I was a player here. I mean, that was a big part of my life. Uh, I think the Lord really used that in my life. 
um, you know, even you know, not that long ago to be sort of inducted into the, you know, uh, you know, athletes of honor. It's not the Hall of Fame, but it's the, you know, some people call it like the the Hall of the JV Hall of Fame. You know, you know, it's not people that are not good enough to really be in the Hall of Fame, but recognized for for playing. And you think about that, man. 20, 30 years ago, and people even recognize that you even played. I, I thought that was sort of cool. And, and um, just to have the success, I mean, to you know, be MVP a couple years and, you know, be you know, top 10 in scoring and rebounding and all conference, all those type of things. I mean, th- th- those were all meaningful things. And then I think there's probably even more meaningful because of spending the 22 years in coaching, you know, be, you know because I think if I would have gone on to accounting or engineering or something, then those things – I don't think would even maybe even remember them. Yeah, you know I mean, but because you were coaching, those are things that were just still always sort of part of your life. That's neat, Jeff. Uh, time has ended, and so I have to wrap it up. But I want to thank you for spending the last uh, thirty minutes or so with me on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you for uh, sharing your life with so many students, whether it was at Cedarville or the other schools you you've worked at, and. Uh, Thank you for being faithful in ministry at home and at work. So thanks again for joining me today. Thanks, Mark. Enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.